Hello, friends, and welcome to your midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. A brilliant team flooded with excellent players. That's not our latest five-star iTunes review, friends, although you can be forgiven for thinking that. It is, in fact, the words of Cambridge United boss Mark Bonner talking about Ipswich Town after his side were put to the sword 3-0 at Portman Road on Tuesday night. It's all going rather well, isn't it? Um, and we are here to talk about it. I've got two of my fellow Kings with me today. Andy Hutchwarren is actually currently in Europe, um, tying up loose ends for the Milka Cup. Mike Bacon, who's currently on Ipswich Town duty, is actually off today. So you've got the best two Kings, let's be honest. The Doctor, Stuart Watson, wearing a shirt today, Stu. Very smart. I appreciate the sartorial approach. You're welcome. Excellent. Good. You okay? I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, not too bad. Are you missing Hutchie? Always. Mm, that's not what you said earlier. Um <laughs> The prospect, the bearded one, the one who can't drive yet. Roscoe, how are you? I'm very well. Um, I feel like I should have dressed up nicely today, but as you know, I just I just donned the boys, Adidas and I, the lads. Do you ex- are you yet to sign that actual sponsorship deal with Adidas? Because I, I feel like you you now have the profile with which you could carry off a, a sponsored clothing brand. Uh, not yet, but um, I do have contacts. So, um, yeah, watch this space. Is there anything particularly you'd like Adidas to make for you? What would you What would you most like to wear as the, as as a brand? I just I just like the shirts, the fitting. I just like that. I just I just I don't know what I like the original Adidas. Like right now, I'm wearing the the modern Adidas, but you know where the the logo, the modern logo. I've got no, I've got something next to me. Um, I should have something next to me, but I don't know. I just I like the I like the original stuff more, the old school stuff because I just think they look. It looks more casual. This looks more it is sporty. You go out for a run. That you can wear it on all occasions, in my opinion. Okay, there you go, Adidas. That's what we want from Roscoe for the uh, the first sponsored branded Roscoe Adidas link up. Friends, Ipswich Town backed up their biggest win of the season on Saturday, three two against Portsmouth, with another win on Tuesday night against Cambridge United, three nil. Um, the scoreline makes it sound, by the sound of it, easier than it was uh, in, in terms of. Peek behind the curtain time, boys. Our deadlines on, on match days are always quite tight. Uh, even tighter on Tuesday night because kickoff was put back to 8 o'clock. And so at about 65 minutes, I'd started writing a back page for the star saying, frustrating nil-nil draw. And then the subs came on and it all changed. Stewie, your thoughts? Ground them down. Ground the damp, sheer perseverance that was that game. And part of you thinking, here we go, deja vu. Go back to April when Ipswich had just beat Plymouth. Morale and mood was at an all-time high. And that's it. We're getting, you know, momentum's with us. We're going to get in the playoffs. And then a week later, Cambridge came, spoiled the party, spoiled the game, got a 1-0 win. And we reached 70 minutes in this game and it was nil-nil and, and Cambridge sat deep, they defended, they were organised. And this is, But this isn't being smart with hindsight. I didn't feel... I, I felt comfortable, I felt confident that that breakthrough was going to come. It felt like a matter of when, not if. Um, the five subs thing obviously has, has really helped in these sort of games this season, but... Unlike that game back in April where I thought Ipswich were off it, they were a bit passive, they were sloppy. I couldn't really fault how Ipswich were playing. I thought um, I thought they moved Cambridge from side to side. I thought their approach was, was quite sensible. There are times I'm sure people were going, come on, move the ball a bit quicker, try and show a bit more. But McKenna summed it up afterwards that you ha- there has to be a balance in terms of how you grind teams like that down. Don't get frustrated. Don't try and force things and leave yourself open to the counter-attack. And I thought Ipswich just just chipped chipped away, knocked on the door, and um, it was pretty clear that Cambridge weren't going to be able to keep up that, that sort of deep, deep line of defence all game. And eventually that, that pressure with, with the aid of the substitutions told. And... Um, uh, yeah, again, another fully deserved victory for Ipswich Town. Rossi, I've got to say, the game day um, post-match on Tuesday, I think it was my favourite of the season so far. Um, there were some really good points made by the, the, the KOA army. Um, and I get the feeling that part of that kind of jubilation was because there was at least some of them were starting to think, as was I, that it was going to be nil-nil or even worse, 
Cambridge were going to shit house another one nil win somehow. Um, how how is it for you, and how are the is that a fair assessment? Do you think for the fans? Yeah, I, I was also feeling that way because yeah, town was huffing and puffing, um, and you just felt like could this be the day where just yeah they couldn't get past that team they want to to beat, and th- th- they did thankfully, and um, yeah, lots of happy faces. I was I was buzzing. You saw it on the video. I was buzzing around. Yeah, for, for the rest of that 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 night, really, even in the early hours, editing videos. Um, but now this team is different, isn't it? The old town would, would have lost or drawn or whatever, but this team, um, another box ticked, a t- you know, came, we, we didn't beat them last year and we didn't just beat them 1 0, we beat them 3 0 and a comfortable win. Um, some good goals scored. Um, but yeah, I think fans are feeling, could this be the year? Could it be the year? We'll see. Before we get on to that, yeah. Stewie, Carl Edwards, first goal for Ipswich Town. Did he mean it? No, of course he didn't. <laughs> Look, are you sure? I'm absolutely uh, sure. That was a cross. You could tell from his his reaction that was a cross all day long. I think Sonny Aluko was Shawnee Aluko. Old yeah. habits die hard was on CoComs on iFollow. I listened back to a bit of that and he called it straight away. That was that was a cross. Um, you could tell from his reaction. McKenna was asked afterwards. What's Carl saying about his first goal? And he, Carl says no comment, and I think I'll stick to that as well. So, um, yeah, a, a slice of luck there, um, no doubt about it. A slice of luck with both the goals, uh, the, the opening goals for Ipswich, mm. obviously with the deflection that comes off the trailing heel of a defender to loop up over the goalkeeper. But Ipswich, you, you make your own luck in this game. And I think that was Mark Bonner, who I thought spoke really articulately after the game. Impressive young manager there, I think, is going on to... To bigger things in the game, he just said, "Look, that sort of fortune for their goals came as a result of of sustained pressure, and in the end, we 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 succumbed to that pressure. But um, yeah, it was a cross for Carl Edwards first, um, but nothing fluky about his second. Real desire to get on the end of that ball in the box. He's come from the other side of the defender, blind side, uh, and then a lovely outside of the boot finish un- under pressure and." Um, as soon as you said the name Kyle Edwards at the start there, we all smiled. I noticed that. And um, you can just, I think I said it in the, the post-Pompey podcast, you can feel the collective goodwill and people just rooting for Kyle Edwards. He's, he's got that infectious smile. It's, uh, it's not happened for him at Ipswich Town thus far. But, um, you know, we said after the game at Portsmouth, is this his time to shine? Is the door now open for him? Mm. Um we hope we hope so. Now there's just a few things starting to fall in, in place for him. He's got um, a little way to go to really sort of establish himself, but he's gone from sort of forgotten forgotten man to very much part of the uh, the rotation. Now it's up. To, he's got a little bit more to do to make himself kind of established first team starter. Um, but yeah, that was that was a really nice moment. You could just see from the celebrations from the players, from the crowd, how much. Um, Everyone really enjoyed seeing Carl Edwards get his goals. What was the dance? I've seen the pictures of the, of the dance, but on the highlights, um, they cut away before you actually saw the dance. See, what was the dance, Roscoe, as our, as our resident music expert? <laughs> I don't know the exact wording of the dance, but I was right in front of it. I had a great yeah. view of it. Um, of course, I, I think Carl Edwards is a bit shy because I don't think he wanted to celebrate, but Lee Evans just chucked him in front of the crowd for him to, you know, appreciate that the fans and just for the fans to appreciate him. Um, but yeah, he danced with uh, Tyrese John Jules and it was just a nice little moment, as, as Stu said, you know, um, he's a very lockable character. You know, he's smiles, he's just contagious in it. Um, I, I got a picture of him, you know, warming up with, you know, KJ, uh, Kane Jackson, Tyrese, you know, Tyrese John Jules. And, you know, even then he's smiling, even on the subs bench. But um but no, I, I like when players just bring out their personality and dance and celebrate, you know, goal. Of course, that was his mm. celebrating his second goal. Um, mm. But yeah, don't know the exact dance, the word of it. But um, it was a good dance. He is. He, he seems to be, and, and you guys will know better than I. I will. You, Stu, you've probably spoken to Carl. He seems to be joy personified. Like he always seems to be smiling, and, and it's really hard, or it's easy rather, to root for guys like that, isn't it? That that kind of bring that joy. Uh, and good vibes to everything they do. Um, Stewie, oh, we got, oh, what's sorry, mate? 
I would call it a samba shuffle if we're gonna if we're gonna put okay. something on that. Just a little, yeah, him and thing. You're right about him being quite quite shy and bashful. I think um Connor Chaplin then at the full time whistle had to give him a an encouraging push to go again, to go and sort of soak up the acclaim of, of the North Stand. And I don't know Kyle Edwards, I've only spoken to him a few times through through this job, but he seems to have this lovely sort of childlike joy for the game still both in the way he plays just mm. get me a ball and I just want to beat people I want to do skill I want to I want to bring joy to the people that watch football he talked about watching those Jogger Benito Nike TV adverts as a kid and just wanting to go and copy Ronaldinho and stuff and off the pitch he looks like quite a happy bubbly character but I, I would imagine like a lot of us in life underneath that he's probably had some struggles in the last year because he's a young man who hasn't been able to do that thing that brings him joy and that's play football. Mm. Um, there's been a few reasons for that. Um, one being the, the thigh injury that came and ended his season in February. The other being new manager comes along, plays a different system. Ipswich playing with the two number 10s left him without a real natural position in the team. And I'm sure at his sort of lowest moments, he's, he's had some doubts about where his career's going. I had a little look. He's he's only made 11 league starts for Ipswich and he's only made 31 league starts in his entire career. And he's wow. 24 years of age now. He's not a kid. Mm. So I'm sure sort of at home, away from everyone else, he's probably thinking, well, you know, have I made right choices? Where am I going here? But um, to, have, to have kept his head down and, and clearly sort of trained well and kept himself in a position to go and take his chance when it when it's come along um as you say it's it's impossible not to root for for somebody like that so um i'm sure mckenna will be wanting more keeping his feet on the ground and all that sort of stuff the vibe i'm getting from the club is we're not going to suddenly be pushing carl forward to do press or media at the moment because um you know we need we need to keep everybody grounded around this one but um yeah it's it's just makes you smile, doesn't it, when 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 someone like that has a, has a night like they did on Tuesday? It does indeed. I wrote a piece yesterday about whether or not he meant it, just rounding up what people had said, and essentially an excuse to use that extraordinary angle um, filmed from the crowd of the shot. And and it kind of, if you've not seen it, do go and watch it it's on our website. Um, I think it's a, a fan called Louis filmed it. So the ball bends out, and then it almost seems to take on a life of its own. Kind of takes off again to go over the keeper from this angle. It's, it's absolutely extraordinary. I did a little poll just to amuse myself saying, um, asking fans if he meant it or not. He meant this 250 or so votes. He meant it 39%. He did not mean it 25%. And I don't care. Heath came second with 36%, which uh, I believe the people have spoken there. Obviously it doesn't matter. They all count. Um, in terms of other players, Stewie, Dominic Ball came in. Start for Lee Evans in this one. Maybe a bit of a shock. How did he do? Yeah, I, yeah, he's he's just a solid championship player, isn't he? And I think it was quite prudent. When you first saw that team sheet, you thought, oh, it's a surprise because Morsi and Evans are so nailed in uh, in midfield at the moment, both, both in form. But you look at it and you think Sam Morsi's one booking away from a suspension. So you probably want to get Dominic Ball up up to speed um and he's a good player as well you've signed him for a reason and i'm sure he's um he's been training the same way that sam morsey trains from what i know of, of dominic ball and, and making sure the manager knows that he's um he's ready and and wanting to play um and lee evans lest we not forget has came into this season off off the back of a of a sort of a medium term knee injury and he's been playing really really well you're probably looking at saturday tuesday Maybe now's the time just to just to dip him out, give him a little bit of a rest. And and Dom Dom Ball was everything we've kind of heard about Dom Ball. Just really solid. He he landed on loose balls. He was competitive. He looked to play forwards whenever he got the ball. But there was no doubt that when Lee Evans came on, Ipswich had a different dimension. Um, his range of passing is not matched by anyone in in that squad. I think Evans had a, had a role in. Um, Certainly, it was his forward pass that led to the opener. I think he had a hand in in the build up for at least one of the others as, as well. So, um, yeah, we'll probably talk about the subs in a, in a bit more detail now. But when Ipswich can turn to the bench the way they do in these sort of games, I, I, we talk about Ipswich being a better team than they were last year. 
I think the five subs rule is really helping in these mm. sort of games that were kind of teams were able to hang on against them with that sort of spoiling tactics this year when McKenna can kind of throw caution to the wind and make triple substitutions, knowing it doesn't matter if there's an injury or anything further down the line because he's got more subs to call on, makes all the difference. Before we get to the subs, obviously uh, Tyrese John Jules came on, scored. It was a bit of a role reversal, not directly with, with what happened at the weekend and Freddie Ladapo. I was taken with, with what you said in your Stu Says though, Stu, in terms of Ladapo. You said you thought it was his best game so far. McKenna said something similar after the game, didn't he? Do you want to just talk about Freddie a little bit? Yeah, he'd have been right up there in terms of man of the match um, calls for me. Maybe even my choice because he worked so hard, and that is such a frustrate. That could be a really frustrating game for a striker like him, who's maybe not hit quite the, the rich vein of goal scoring form that he'd have wanted. And you know, he spoke after the Portsmouth game about having sleepless nights, about his start to life at Ipswich, and. When a when a team is sitting so deep like that and there's so little space for you to work in, it would it would have been easy for him to have got frustrated and lost his head. But he worked so hard for the team. There was a couple of times he came charging back and and um, won the ball back, sort of forty yards from goal, and the crowd really responded to that. He was always surrounded by two or three Cambridge players, but you know, strong, backed into people, came out with the ball, kept it switch possession. Um, ran in behind, ran the channels as well. I thought he had a really good game and I thought he helped sort of butter up the, mm. the Cambridge defence um, in time for others to come on and, and take advantage. And as you say, in roles reversed from the weekend when John Jules had done the same and Freddie, Freddie kind of made them, you know, took advantage of that and scored with his first touch. This time it was it was the other way around. And um, I thought he laid a lot of the groundwork for for what followed in those last 20 minutes. Yeah, Marcus Harness said something, didn't he, a couple of weeks ago about how the subs rule means that the, the players know they can go. If you start, you go out and you literally go balls to the wall, full ball for 60 minutes. And then you know someone then can come on and, and equally fresh go full ball for the final 30. So it gives Town a, a huge advantage. And clearly that is that's counting so far. Roscoe, um, talk to me about other things you liked on the night. Players. Yes, there's a lot of players to pick out from, really, um, which is good to hear. Um, do you know what? Fridge, George Emerson, yep. he's back, baby. Um, he had a fantastic game uh, on, on Tuesday night. Um, and that's good to see. I know he's had you know not the best of starts this season, a few mistakes here and there. But no, I think he, he was back to his best. Um, I think the back three, you know, once again, Janoy is Janoy and he's just he's solid, reliable. Wolford also had a good game as well. And that's what, it's great to see, you know, just those three doing it well. You know, definitely, you know, I feel sorry. I saw Cameron Burgess on the sidelines. He just feel like, oh, you know, he was in great form. Now Emerson's back in form. It's like, oh, how is he going to get back into this team now? Because we've got three really good defenders in that role. Um, and yeah, at the moment, you know, Wes Burns, you know, he's, he's the cover star for us at the moment. But he was once again, you know, not really, he didn't really, for me, it wasn't the stand-up flag because Carl Edwards took all the headlines. Um but no, I think the one man to talk about is George Emerson because it's just good to see him back in form. Mm. Is Cameron Burgess wearing a mask or anything? No. Um, give me a second. Continue speaking. I'll put a, I'll flash a picture up and this is what he looks like at the moment. It's not too okay. bad, actually. Carry okay. on. Okay. Let me ask imagine, you... Sorry, imagine Kevin. being a League One left back where you've played, you've faced Wes Burns for 70 minutes and then and then Ipswich can go Carl, and then just replace him with Carl Edwards. Or another it's, day, it might be Caden Jackson, probably the quickest player in the league. Or it's it's, it's almost unfair, isn't it? It's ter- it must be it must be incredibly demoralising. Yeah, there was talk in the summer about how this five <clears throat> subs rule was going to benefit the the bigger clubs, and and Kieran McKenna's kind of come back on that was well, you know, it's it's equal for everybody, and w- the the fear was that maybe the the lesser clubs, and this is not. Not, not being disrespectful, but it is a division of two halves now. That's mm. another thing Mark Bonnell was talking about. It's clearly a division of two halves. And um, I think most clubs know where they're at in that pecking order and what they've got to do to try and eke out points. But th- that sort of bottom half stable of teams, would they be able to use the substitutions to their effect to, to time waste and run down the clock and stuff like that? But it's it's clearly of benefit to clubs like Ipswich and, and others that have got that that deeper squad um, 
in those games, there's only so long that you can play that sort of defensive tactic and hold out. And then if you can make those like-for-like quality substitutions, then then hopefully that that pressure is going to tell. And um, we'll come on to Morecambe in a bit, but I think we, we could have a very similar type of game on Saturday. Let me ask you about Carl Edwards then, Stu, because the last couple of games, he's, he's made a big difference. We spoke last season about how, I mean, he was the breakout star of last season, wasn't he? We were sitting here saying, how have they signed him in League One? If he carries on playing like he is and having the impact that he has, although he's clearly massively suited to that kind of super sub, as you exactly as you say, come on and destroy tiring defences, where could you see him fitting in, in the starting eleven? Because that's going to be the push before long. If he carries on playing like he is, he's got he's got to start. I think he's got more chance now that Ross mentioned a back three earlier. It's looking more and more like a back four to me. It's very it's very fluid. It's very hybrid. We've talked about this loads on on this podcast, mm. but it is looking. If I would now, I've started calling it a four two three one now. Um, so I think, yeah, left or right of that. That three in support of, of the striker is is where he'd play. McKenna, he came on obviously for Burns on the right at the weekend. He played on the left when he came on against Portsmouth, having replaced sort of Harness. So I can think he can play either of, of those roles. Hmm. Um McKenna from very early on um talked about him being the sort of Burns backup and sees him more of a right sider, just despite the fact he's he's obviously left footed. Um Personally, I I think he's a kind of um, a rotation with harness type situation. Mm. There'll be games where harness kind of plays tucked in on on the left, and there'll be games where you might want a bit more natural width, and and that's when Carl Edwards can kind of come in for harness and play play a little bit wider on on that left hand side. But um, yeah, his versatility is is going to be very useful for Ipswich, and it makes me feel him coming back into the picture like this makes me feel a little bit better different players of course but a little bit better about Aluko's kind of uh, absence mm. and just starting to think they're a little bit thin in that final third and and then up steps Carl Edwards which um, which is great to see mm. Sean Aluko is really good on comms by the way um, from the highlights uh, Roscoe have you got this picture of Cameron Burgess before we move on I do okay so he's got like a black eye hasn't he he certainly looks as if his face has taken a little bit of a quite swollen there still, yeah, yeah. quite swollen. But that's sore, it's a sore one, and there's Greg Lee next to him as well. Um, anything else to mention? Because I, I want to put something to you, Stu, um, that you put right at the end of, of Stu says, and it touches on what Ross started to talk about at the start of this chat. You wrote, Enjoy the ride, people, something special is brewing now with this win. Ipswich Town now have stretched the gap. They're still in second because of a late winner by Plymouth. They stretched the gap to third. I think it's four points, isn't it? Um, off the top of my head. Sheffield Wednesday obviously lost to, to Plymouth. Um, so the gap is starting to grow for the top two. Stewie, we're 11. Is it 11 games in? 12 games in? Something like that? 12, yeah. But it do- I mean, you say something special starting to brew. Talk to me more about that. Well, it's been brewing for a while, hasn't it? Mm. And I think we've we've all we've all felt it, mm. and the attendances show that, don't they? I'll always take a, my lead from from crowds. People know what they're seeing. People know mm. if something good's happening in front of their eyes, and they know if something's drifting and stale and stagnant. and And that's why we saw the attendances drop a thousand year on year for so long and that's why we're suddenly seeing 26 27 28,000 back inside Portman Road now you have to feel that what you're seeing gives you hope and there's plenty of that on and off the pitch at the moment um I made the comparison with that they're on exactly the same points at this stage of the season as they were in the first season after relegation under Paul Lambert and I remember at the time when we had these conversations the great thing is they've not even hit top gear yet. And that was, we were using that as the positive. They're getting all mm. these points on the board and they're actually not playing that well. Um, and that actually turned out to be a bit of a a red flag because it turned out that they weren't playing that well. And in the end, the results, you know, you have the performances weren't matching the results and we all know what happened from there. This time around, the results, the, the points are backed up by performances. and. Um, you go back through the games, you could argue that they actually deserve more points. I've got a fly buzzing around in front of me here, sorry. 
It's like that Breaking Bad episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you go back through it and Bolton on the opening day, Morsi could have could have won that at the death. The Barnsley game with the, with the the goal that wasn't could have won that. Two up, okay. Leeds dropped against Wednesday and Plymouth, but this is this is proper. This has got substance behind it, and um, yeah, I called it very early on that they'll definitely be top six. I mean, there's a nine point cushion to seventh now, which is which is healthy. Um, still, still some questions to answer in terms of being sort of bona fide top two automatics, but. I'm enjoying it. I think we're all enjoying it at the moment. And um, these these type of seasons don't come along very often. And you just get a feel early on which way it's going. And um, just in, just enjoying it, enjoying the ride. Yeah. Um, Rossi, obviously, I've already mentioned game day. Great game day. Matty Worrell said, we carry on playing like this. We're going to go up. Uh, and Mike Turbot, the Turbo Sailor, <laughs> made a pledge, which mm. I'm not going to let I'm not going to let him forget about. He said, I think they're going to finish top two. And if they do... I'm going to shave my head. Now, if you've not seen Mike, he's a, he's got long hair down to his shoulders, beautiful flowing locks. Um, and he said, I'll do it for charity or something. So I, I want to jump on this. I think let's, let's make Mike commit to this. We can do it. We can raise money for motor neuron disease research, perhaps Marcus Stewart, obviously. Uh, and can we get more people involved? If it's which town finished top two, can we have the whole KOA posse game day posse, as many members of the KO army as possible? shaving their head what i thought what we could do also by way of charity by way of charity is is take some of this hair and cr- cr- crack you a, lo- a lovely wig <laughs> yeah well, combined from yeah all koa listeners will will create me a wig what, yeah, kind, of st- that. what kind of style would you like well i'll let i'll let that be for you to decide what what would suit me what do you reckon dreadlocks <laughs> done mm. <laughs> mm. you're not convinced Rossi but no. I mean, clearly, clearly the mood among the fans is that, that there is something special going on isn't there oh, once again 26,000 on a Tuesday night and this wasn't a you know pack out PR game either it was a rearranged game um, you know from last month so 26,000 great atmosphere and you just see the crowd everyone is just just buzzing, positive before the game, just leaning up to the game. You just the whole atmosphere of of the crowd is just fantastic, and you know there's there's gonna be some you know who maybe some young kids who are going to their first game, thinking, "Daddy, I, I want to come more, I want to go more." Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just we we have a little we have a little section outside the ground where we sort of line up to do interviews and just just seeing everyone just all happy, fist pumps, hugs, everything going on because. We just feel there's something special is happening. Of course, we've been here before and we've got carried away before, but just right now, I'm just saying we're doing it. Um, I'm not putting oh. anything on it. I'm not, I'm not putting anything on it because, you know, Richard's town sometimes happens. But do you know what? Right here, right now, it's happening. We're going up. Okay. Wow, that's massive. Do. So um, you're also going to, I assume, going to commit to the, the turbo approach. Top two. The beard. The beard's got to go, isn't it? No, 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 no. I know if you're and all that, but I don't know. It's not, not for me. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, you, I just look stupid. Just look stupid. Um, do you know your... one person who needs to be involved in this? And I probably won't do it. Matty Worrell was a, oh. he's got long hair, but I don't know if he would go that far. But top, if he goes, yeah, left, or maybe he can go a bit further, win the league title. Um, Turbo's gone top two. Maybe Waza, if he wants to get involved, I'm sure he's going to be listening. If he if he's happy to put it down, we have to win the title, you know, by a certain amount of points. But yeah, there's time to sort this out. But the key thing is, Mike, I've noted your your claim, your promise, and I've remembered it. So from here on in, where are we? Thursday, October the sixth. If Ipswich Town finish top two, Mike Turbot will be shaving his head for charity. Note that down. We'll come back to it. Stewie, by way of moving on from this game, sorry, mate, what are you going to say? I was just going to say, if anyone's watched the Town in Five video that the club put out, which is which is great content, really good behind-the-scenes mm. stuff, um, if you watch it right to the end, you see the sort of the players going into the dressing room afterwards and the, the love for Kyle Edwards that we've spoken about is very clear on, on that video and it's just really wholesome and it's just such a likeable 
relatable group of players, which is not always the case. And that sort of club content really helps. And um, hopefully we sort of play our part in being able to do the odd, the odd interview with players here and there in kind of building that, that bond between the players and supporters and it just it's not just Edwards we talk about rooting for it's such a you can go through that whole squad um just a really likable group of players that you 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 extra want to do well if that makes sense so absolutely um, yeah it's just just something I'm not I'm not going to say that they're going to go and walk the league or anything like that at the moment but they've got a really good chance and it's just just enjoy it because these sort of seasons. I've been doing this for a little while now, and I know that these sort of seasons don't don't come along very often. And I got a similar feeling around sort of October time in that playoff season. And I think winning back to back home games um, Saturday, Tuesday is such a powerful, powerful thing that happened a lot. And you could tell again that it was a really likable group that were were really bonded and mm. um, just getting those same sort of. Same sort of vibes around this group, which I haven't had for a, for a long time. I recall actually from that season we ran a back page. I remember it vividly with uh, McGoldrick as the main image, and you. The headline was something on the lines. It was a comment piece from you saying something special is happening here. Yeah. Um. So there we go. Stu's spoken by way of a great team bonding, etc. Stu and moving us away from this game. You at the moment without your work husband Andy Warren is in Italy, doing uh, Milka Cup stuff. You're obviously, for the next couple of games, or Tuesday and then Saturday, you're with Mike Bacon, the big porker. Talk to me about the uh, the contrast. What's it like working with Bacon as opposed to Warren? Because Hutchie's very, very low-key, very calm, very flatline. Bacon is diametrically opposite. He's a man of high emotions and big yeah. operations. What's it like working he's, with him? He's like, game? well, anyone who's heard the Mike Bacon intros on here yeah. <laughs> we'll know he's 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 frenetic he's frantic yeah. he's high energy um he's up and down i know that I, I sent him a little uh a little text this morning showing his last two headlines of his last two comment pieces i think uh it's one week he said it's ipswich can not only go up but they can be you know they can be good in the championship as well and then this week he's told everyone to keep their feet on the ground that's just mike he's up he's down he's he's all over the place he kept turning to me and saying is it back-to-back wins it's back-to-back wins isn't it i said yeah mike they beat portsmouth three days ago and you were here <laughs> he's um he's high energy he's high octane and i've um yeah i've got him for for 12 plus hours on uh on saturday in the car just me and him so That'll be fun. Me and Mike go back a long way. I love him. Take some Haribos with you. Get him even more fired up. Um, so that's obviously happening this weekend. I think Mike's going to be on the pod next Monday. Um, so that's something to look forward to. Kings of Anglia friends. Right then, moving on from the game, let's do a bit of mailbag, shall we? Um, we know that when Hutchie's off, in his honour and out of respect, we don't do the song. So let's dive straight into mailbag. Um, and I'm going to... In time-honoured fashion, we'll start with something non-football. Question comes from Carl Fuller, our esteemed Ipswich Town columnist, full of flavour, now a published author, just like Mr Bacon. This is this is one that really would suit Andy. He says, is a bag of crushed crisps poured on top of a jacket potato acceptable? Has anyone else ever tried it? We get quite a lot of questions around strange food combinations. Um, I, when he says acceptable, uh, acceptable as what, Carl? Except for as a meal, as a snack, just acceptable full stop. You got any thoughts? I would say the question is just full stop. Um, mm. Not tried it, but I'm, I'm up for it. I think I crisps. Say... I love a crisp sandwich. So yeah. double double carbs. I like a bit of texture, a bit of crunch to come be... from that. What what crisps are you using? Be very dry though, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's what crisps, I think. Crisps on a on a jacket potato. I assume there's some kind of lubricant in there, some butter or sort of some kind. Um, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not I think that's a that's a given, right? The butter's involved, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe a, maybe some Doritos, something like that, something a bit sturdy. Yeah, heavy heavy carb load as well. Um, I'd, I'd want some. I'd want some protein in there personally, but baked. I'm not. Baked beans, bit of protein. I'm thinking more <laughs> some kind of filling, meaty filling. But anyway, okay. For me, I can see why it worked because you've got the soft baked potato, haven't you? And you've got the, the crunchy, crisp saltiness of the, of the crisps I'd, as a as a combo i think it it's it's acceptable i think it needs a bit more work if i'm honest as a dish but um i'm not anti it uh going forward and i think that's what we're all saying um next question 
let's do a bit of football. Graham Downey, Sue, he wants to know, John Jewell's Arsenal contract is up next summer. Would you get in early and go all out to try and sign him on a permanent deal in January? You would imagine that there will be have been some sort of discussions about first option to buy clause, which a lot of these loans have. Um, looks looks a player, doesn't he? And he looks a player with the uh, with high potential. Um, Arsenal Arsenal may be thinking the same, and there may be some discussions to to tie him down and maybe maybe try him out with a, with another loan or two. Um, I don't know how open Arsenal would be to that, but I think if if they were, Ipswich would be wanting to come come to the table to talk about that. I would I would imagine he's um he's he's been a very good addition, hasn't he so far? Hmm. Any thoughts, Rossi? Would you like to see him a permanent member of the town team? I'm sure he will probably want to be playing Championship football next year. So I'm going to ask what what's what's, what's going to happen anyway for Ipswich Town. Um, put it in there again. Um. I like it. I like it. I think, yeah, he's, he's got high potential. As Stu said, I think Arsenal, they'll probably will look at that and go, yeah, he's a good player as well. So mm. they don't want to see him leave for, you know, anonymous fee or whatever. I'm sure they want to tie him down. Then maybe loan him out again or maybe try to get a big profit for him. Um, so, yeah, no, as Stu said, I think he's been a good addition. I think at first we were thinking, what are we bringing in this John Jules? Like, do we need him? Um, but he's been a great addition. And, yeah, coming off the bench and good finish, by the way, for his goal. Fair play mm. to him. I'm sticking with you on this one, Rossi, because you're the obvious person to answer this. There was a be- we haven't mentioned it yet. There's a beautiful line um, surrounding Carl Edwards on Tuesday night. Obviously, the, the, ki- the kickoff was put back because of traffic snarled up all around Ipswich. And Carl Edwards was one of those caught in traffic. He had to abandon his car somewhere and run to the ground. So Dan wants to know, Ross. I think Jimmy Fullard far- did that back in the day, didn't he? Didn't we do a story about Jimmy sort of... Um, that sounds very much I mean, like something Bullard would do. Because the players would get fined if they weren't weren't there <laughs> yeah. by a certain time. I'm, I'm sure that happened with him as well. He abandoned his car and ran. I'd love, I'd love to know as well, if you were one of those people who, who saw Carl Edwards running towards the stadium, let us know. Did he look Did he look stressed? Was he, did he have a big smile on his face even when he's sprinting towards the, the ground trying to make kickoff? But anyway, uh, Rossi, Dan wants to know how far away from Portman Road would you abandon your car, I assume, as a passenger, and run to the stadium to be there for a match? Well, it depends where you're abandoning it, because you can't just abandon it in the middle of a road. Like It has to basically just park, because I know um, there's some <laughs> roads which just chock a block, and how can you, you can't even sort of divert to go into like another street because you're just stuck there. Um, but I think a lot of people nowadays, I think people just walk in, because, you know, it's just easier, because... I know I don't drive, but I know the one-way systems in the town is just dreadful. I don't know why whoever decided to put one-way systems in the town centre is just ridiculous because getting around is not good. Um, depends on the game. Depends how important the game is. Um, if it's like a playoff semi-final, then yeah, you banned it anywhere. But if it's just like a game against, you know, let's say Accrington, you're like, eh, doesn't matter if it's five minutes. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Rossi strolls in at half-time. Sony Accrington in it didn't really yeah, need to be here. It's fine. Yeah, nice. Let's get the theory test started first <laughs> yeah. before we before we start deciding where we're going to abandon your fictional car. Let's yeah. hope that is a question on the theory test, though, Ross, because you were absolutely correct. You can't just abandon Ooh. your car in the middle of the road. There is a question when you're in a tunnel. When if you break down in a tunnel, what do you do? Um, I don't know the four options, but that is the one question. What what would be your answer? Just abandon I need it. some options. Yeah. <laughs> Hazards. I think it's something about you just leave it and you just, I don't know, walk to call somebody. I think it's one of the options. But um, yeah, I'd need the options. I know what I would be doing in that scenario would be swearing a lot. Um, I, I guess you probably, your answer is get your hazard lights on, get your little yeah. triangle, which you're going to have in your car out and 10 meters behind your car and all that kind of stuff. And make sure you're away from the traffic as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, a combination of those. Stewie, Peter, now our Poland correspondent, formerly of Amsterdam. I think he's in Warsaw now. Do you have irrefutable evidence that a particular player or senior member of the backroom staff listened to the pod? For example, does Mark Ashton comment on Ross's terrible pronunciation of names? Or has Janor Dinasio never referenced the Donaissance? Now, clearly, players or players and managers all say they don't read the newspaper, don't read anything we write. But we know that's not at all true given some of the confrontations and things that have been said to us. How about the pod and Stewie? We know there are people who work for Ipswich Town listen to the pod, don't we? Yeah, I don't know about players, 
like you say, it's certainly not cool to reference that they actually they, they uh, consume any anything sort of mm. around around the football club. Um, no, I don't. I've never had a player say anything about it so far. Um, yeah, there's a couple of people who work behind the scenes that have, have mentioned it before. Go on, Ross. Remember last year, famously, Sam Morsey told me that um, he's going to prove us wrong because I said the season was dead. It was technically dead, and it, it, if we finish eleventh, but um, so you in never know. This. In your face, Morsey. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing really, but but Sam, Sammy, you're doing really well, my friend. Keep up the good work, and all the other players. But you never know; they may secretly listen. Um, just to definitely, if um, because I know there's a few that follow us on Instagram and stuff, and they may see a picture of themselves on the graphic. They may go, "Oh, what are they talking about me?" So you never know. But I know there's a few people at the club who do listen. Of course, Stuart Hayton. Of course, he um, famously came up to me on Saturday and said, "Hard luck about me failing and another theory." So I uh, big up the club secretary, and um, I'm sure there's a few other people somewhere listening. You never know. Just wanted to get some insight. Everyone involved in a football club always the line always is that we don't read what you write, um, and they all do. There's a famous story about Brian Clough insisting that he wrote nothing. He, he read nothing that anyone wrote about Nottingham Forest, and then the report went to his house, and there were papers everywhere. Um, all the reports and everything. So I would say there's probably quite a few people who listen to the podcast involved in the club. Um, Stewie, Richard Lee wants to know, when we inevitably get promoted this season, as, as Ross has already said, what position, if any, do you think we'll need to strengthen for championship football? Everywhere looks so solid, it's hard to see where improvements could be made. So that stage of the debate, are we? They're up and we're deciding where they've got to strengthen. Uh... It's where we need bacon. Still think the top end of the pitch. If you're talking about going up a level, you'd have to sort of. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think sort of the the front three you'd, you'd be looking at. I'm not saying that there are that that several of those players couldn't go up a level. A lot of them have played at that level before, but um, I think that would be an area that they would look to uh, to add to. But we're we're a long 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 way from those discussions at the moment although behind the scenes the recruitment mm. team are probably you know work you're working so far in advance the recruitment team will be having to think mm. like that that they'll have to have an option a and an option b depending on what level they're at and um you know you, you work in sort of two couple of windows in advance that, that they will have to start thinking about that fairly soon you're going to be all right with goalkeeper aren't you christian walton's going to be fine in the championship midfield you'd be happy with morsey evans and ball I would say. Um, so certainly the top end of the pitch, as you say, the goals. Defensively, Wolfenden, Edmondson, Danassian. Reckon they could cut it in the championship, Rossi? I think so. I think every team, when they get promoted, you just need a strengthen, don't you? Because, mm. of course, you want to keep the team that got you into the championship. You know, Rotherham, I think they normally try their best to keep most of the team. Of course, this year, they, they lost Michael Smith in a week where they went to Sheffield Wednesday. Um and they've, they've done a right, of course. Now Paul Warren's got a derby, um, but now you strengthen just a few, um, just to improve. But yeah, if you mentioned already Christian Walton, he's already a championship quality goalkeeper, um, so we're fine there. And there's a few other players who should be playing championship football right now, but they're playing League One football, and hopefully they'll lead us to way to the championship. There'll be people like Aluko and Richard Keogh that will be another yeah. year older, and um, mm. they've kind of. You'd have to be sort of replacing around the edges and and just and bolstering your, your numbers and replacing pe people like that. But um, yeah, the good thing is you certainly wouldn't be going up and thinking that you had to suddenly change the the entire team um, for sure. Mm. Carl Day wants to know, Stewie, which would you do if your life depended on it? Either a bare knuckle fight with Ladapo, Big Fred, or allow Ross to drive you to Morecambe, while you, I assume, not Ross. While you are blindfolded, I know which would be more terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> well, go on. Well, it'd definitely be getting in the car with Ross, wouldn't it? Do you think so? What Absolutely. are we talking like now? So, the like worst, this the, weekend, without the worst that could happen if you had to fight the Dapo in a bare knuckle fight is you get knocked out, in which case you don't know about it. The worst that could happen with getting in a car with Ross, he drives to Morecambe, is actual death. So, um, I'm 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 fighting I'm fighting Big Fred bare knuckle every single time. When was the last time you drove a car, Ross? Uh, it was about two months ago. So it's been a oh, while. good. <laughs> I I think I think I'd take Ross to be honest. I don't really? want to fight Freddie. Yeah, you say the worst. 
I don't think Freddy's a fighter, is he? He looks a gentle giant, Freddy. He looks just, you know, looks friendly. He just wants to. I'm saying, I'm saying, worst case outcomes here. I back because right. I'm in the car with Ross. So I assume that yeah. I might have Andy or Mike or you know others in the car with me. Yeah. We can we can talk him through it. We can coach him through it. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to fight Freddy. What would you stop rather making do, us fight f- footballers in fictional scenarios? Ross, would you rather get in a car now and drive to Morecambe or fight Freddy the Zappo? I'm I'm a bit worried that Stu's blindfolded just in case I take the wrong way and we're like we missed the turning to Morecambe and then like yeah we missed the oh, game. I forgot I'm blindfolded, yeah. So yeah. I can't coach him, can I? Uh, you imagine yeah. Stu, the, the, the blindfold just slips at one point and you realise you're driving the wrong way down the A P. We're going down to Plymouth. <laughs> this car's just hurtling towards you and Rossi's just there with his grin on his face. Wee! It's totally normal. Um, right then, this is a good question from Mark Beck. Of the uh, the game day posse, which comedy series or sitcom do you find completely unfunny? There's an obvious answer to this for me, and it's Mrs. Brown's Boys. Yes, um, don't get it, don't understand it. It's incredibly popular. I, I have no idea what kind of person watches that and finds it funny, um, but it's certainly not funny as far as I can see. So that would be my number one with a bullet. Agreed. I think there's one strong contender <clears throat> to take that on, and that would be Miranda. Don't know if you. Oh yeah, seen that. absolutely. Oh man, that's all also dreadful. And again, I don't understand. But it's dreadful in a different way, isn't it? Like Mrs. Brown's Boys is just st- stupid. And Miranda, I think it's meant to be slightly more highbrow, isn't it? But again, neither are funny. Can them. Um Lorna, Roscoe wants to know. Looking at the remaining fixtures for 2022, where do you think the next loss is coming? The inevitable FA Cup first round defeat aside. With the crowd being regularly over 25,000, are we going to go unbeaten at home this season? There's three questions there, I think, from Lorna. Where do you think we're going to lose next? Actually, two. When are we going to lose next? And can town go unbeaten at home all season? Um, I'm literally going to say, no, we're not going to be... No, we are going to be unbeaten at Port and Road, but then we've also got a game on Sky this month against Derby. And um, I'm, I'm sorry to spring it up. It's just, it is a stupid thing, but it is it is a thing. It is a curse. I think Andy said it's not a curse, but when I proved it against Plymouth, we lost and uh, there we go. Um, do you know what though? I think we are going to be unbeaten at home. I just feel the crowd is just on top of the players, just bringing that, that 12th man um, part of the game. I just think it, it can happen, I think. I think it can happen. We'll, we'll draw a few games. We'll get frustrated a few times, just like the Cambridge game. But you know what? I'm being at home. Why not? Wow. Rossi's been sipping the bacon juice, boys. He's, yeah. he's, he's already proclaimed that Town are up and they're also going to be unbeaten at home. Go for it, Rossi. But then yeah, it could all change this weekend when we lose against Morecambe. We go, yeah, <laughs> God. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. These bottle jobs. But um, but no, I think a defeat, yeah, a defeat, we are going to lose again at some point this season because, yeah, it's going to happen. We'll go away from home and we, we'll get frustrated again and we just can't get over the line because the team just... Yeah, just like the Plymouth game, there'll be a better team on the day against us. When's why not? Happen? When's it going to happen, Ross? Lorna wants to know. Oh, I don't so know the Mor- fixtures at the top of my head. Well, I'll, re- I'll, read, I'll read them out. Stu, so okay. you can get involved in this as well. Morecambe away this weekend. Gonna, not going to lose that, are they? Famous last words. Then Lincoln at home. EFL trophy don't count. Then Derby at home. Port Vale away. Charlton, Charlton away. Any of these sounding like defeats, boys? You feeling... Nothing. I want to put my neck on the line and say they're going to lose these. Derby's the one that jumps off the page, isn't it? Um, I think that that could go either way on a, on a Friday night in front of the Sky cameras. But where, where are you up to, Charlton? Charlton. And then November, you've, there's only two league fixtures in November as it stands. At home to Cheltenham. That's a win, surely. Uh, and then the Rakeem Harper derby. The dream <laughs> derby. Won't be allowed to play, but... <laughs> at Exeter, I know, but it's still... He's going to be looming large over that game, let me tell you. Yeah. Um, away at Exeter. And then you're looking maybe Ipswich Fleetwood, start of December. Ipswich Peterborough, home, 10th of December. And then the, I guess you'd say you could go all the way to the end of December. Thursday, 29th of December at Portsmouth. Mm. Any of those? When you start to read them out and you say, if I had to really say to you, yeah, I'm I think that's that's a defeat. There's not there's mm. nothing there that 
that scares me at the moment. There's nothing that I've, from what I've seen so far, that I think, yeah, I'm, I'm really worried about that fixture. But I'm, they'll lose at some point. Um, again, uh, of course they will. Um, I was just having a look at the while you was reading those out the home records from previous seasons. You have to go back to 1920. Portsmouth went unbeaten for a whole season at home, so it is doable. And they obviously they had the Fratton Park sort of uh, the backing there, and I think that that can make a real difference. And Ipswich only lost three at home last season in the league, which was um, which is a pretty good record. I think only Sheffield Wednesday beat that, and you would have to say they're a better team now than they were then. So it's not impossible. I think it will be in the you know if it's, if it's not unbeaten at home, I think we're looking at one or two maximum possibly. When you say Portsmouth are unbeaten in nineteen twenty, what do you mean at this level? Because there are teams who've been unbeaten at home, as in League One, yeah. League they were one, the last. Yeah. They were the last League One team to go unbeaten at home in the league. Wow. Okay. Um, right. This is one for you, Stu, because you have children. Daryl, friend of the show, number one DJ over in America. Are Halloween costumes on the agenda this year? If so, what will you and your two-legged or four-legged family members be wearing? Is Halloween something you get involved in in the Watson household, Stewie? Uh. My daughter will want to kind of dress all the house up and and do various arts and crafts and and messy things. I'm sure. Um, I'll probably promise to do some sort of outfit, and then it will be a last minute supermarket supermarket is, sweep job. Is trick and treating still a thing? Do, do kids still do that? They do. I think yeah, I think so. Yeah, we're not quite at the age where we go sort of roaming around too many houses. Well, she's she's only six, so we might just do a, a few of the neighbours. We're fairly rural people that we know. Yeah. Halloween's the one kind of thing that I don't really get. I've never really kind of engaged with. My wife used to carve pumpkins very well. Uh, but Halloween's not really a thing for me. Rossi, am I wrong? Yeah, of course. When you're a kid, you know, you just want free sweets, don't you? Um, just knocking near neighbours, random strangers, of course. I bet you were an absolute bit. terror, wasn't yeah. you, on Halloween? <laughs> I can imagine yeah. you, you and your mates, hoods up. Yeah. But you had a few tricks up your up your sleeve as well. Uh, eggs at houses and you know, yeah, and all that. Before bad. before you'd even knocked, you just egg in houses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if yeah, if you give, there's some people like give you apples and stuff. Like, what are you doing? Like, non absolute nonsense. Nonsense. Yeah. But yeah. Free sweets and chocolate and all that. We we do not open the door to children on Halloween. Oh, no. come on! Not happening. That's why we've got a ring video doorbell. Go and bother someone else. <laughs> Go and bother someone else, kids. That's mean. It's not mean. You should be knocking on my door. Um, right then. Two more questions. ITFC Memes wants to know, as Mark Heath is so anti-people over 25 wearing caps. That's not true. I have a problem with people wearing caps. I do have a slight issue with them wearing them backwards over the age of 21. But that's a personal choice. Just my, my view on it. Um, I wondered if the group had to have a hat glued to their head 24-7, what would they accept? A bowler hat for style, a woolly hat for warmth, or a fisherman's hat to keep the rain off. Stu, you've got obviously no hair, no protection up top. Yeah. What hat? Are you having, that. What hat are you having glued onto your head full time? So what? Like the whole year, the whole year round. That is it. Absolutely, your entire life. Yeah. Probably going to have to just be a baseball cap, just because it's going to be the most versatile. Um, I thought you might go with a hair hat, otherwise known as a wig. Is that's not a hat though, is it? I think I'd be. Um, I mean, if that is an option, yeah, I'll, t- yeah. I'll take the wig. You can get some good ones these days. The KOA wig that we're going to get made up. Absolutely, from Mister yeah. Mister Turbo Rossi. Yeah. What what hat do you most want to have stuck to your head full time? Uh yeah, baseball cap is the go to. Or this one. Oh, what the bucket that? hat. It's a bucket hat. What is what is the design on that? It's colourful. It's actually Sasha's, but um, she doesn't okay. really like it, so she just it's yours it now. Me. Yeah, Basket hats seem to be back. Of whenever I'm doing the school run at the moment, a lot of primary school children all seem to be wearing the bucket hats. I don't know um, when and why that's happened, but it's happening. We need a KOA bucket hat. Final question, boys, from Ben Brindle. It's a good one. Imagine McKenna suddenly left the job. Which of the three of you would make the best replacement? And what would your managerial styles be, including touchline attire? I think it's an obvious answer to this question um, in terms of who would be best to replace McKenna. And that answer is obviously Stuart Watson, because 
I thought you uh, were going to say, obviously me. I thought that's where that was not. going. Absolutely. I'm the boss of you and I'm no, going to be the boss of Ipswich. Absolutely not. I do not know enough about football to be a football manager. I certainly have the style um, and, and potentially the, the, the fiery temperament. But in terms of overall package... I was going to back you. I was going to back you because you're you're in, you're used to being sort of in in charge of a team. I think mm. you'd be maybe the the hands off manager. You'd you'd understand sort of um, you, you maybe keep, have some of us as your assistants, but you'd be you'd be the front man. You'd be the man I, dealing with the press. You'd be the man dealing with unhappy players. You'd I'd need a very strong number two. A bit very like strong. Harry Redknapp. You're not interested yeah. in taking training. You just stay in your office. Maybe tweak your curtain from time to time, but leave leave all that sort of day to day stuff to. To others, one hundred percent. That would be my style. I'd need a very strong number two, very strong tactically. Um, certainly, Rossi. How do you think you cope as, as manager of Ipswich Town? I'll definitely be tracksuit tracksuit manager. Um, but I'll be wanting. To, oh, I'll be getting involved in training a bit too much, and I'll probably well, play, play. Yeah, I'm oh, not playing, but in training, I'll probably. Yeah. Get, but then I'll stupidly get into a tackle and injure my star player. And I'm like, <laughs> oh no. Uh, I also need a strong number two, I think, because um, I think technically I'll just be going too crazy. I'll play a player out of position and go to attacking and then not thinking defensively. And yeah, it'll be all over the place. But um, Ro- yeah. Rossi's first week as town manager, he runs over Sam Morsey in the car park and he's, <laughs> and he's 120 grand Bentley that he's just he's Sorry, just Skip. Sorry, Skip. <laughs> yeah, you'll be fine. How do you think you'd do as a football manager, Stu? You've obviously got the knowledge. You've got um, a lot of contacts in the game. You've got the style. You've got that. You've got everything you need to know in terms of press liaison. Everything apart from the fundamental skills of having any coaching badges, <laughs> have, having done any kind of work, it just just like yeah, I'll give that a go. Um, probably very poorly. I'd imagine that there's once you get into it, there's probably not that many transferable skills. Um, but um, I, I, I like the idea of Ross doing it. I think he mm. would have a fundamental issue because straight away he can't wear Adidas. Yeah. Sponsorship yeah. issues. I think that would, that would be a red line for you, wouldn't it? So, um, I I think I would step aside and let Ross have a go just for just for shits and gigs. I think that would be quite amusing. I'd love to see Ross do some post match interviews as a, as a manager. Um, I think we might get to see a different side of Rossi, the angry side of Ross, or the grumpy side. I'll be blunt. I'll be blunt. I'm just like, yeah, we we were shit. Um, that's, That's what it. we want. You'd be great for us. <laughs> I'll tell you what else. He's not here, but the obvious actual choice would be Bacon, given he's formerly coach of the year. I think Full Mike Bassett, England manager. 100%, yeah. 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 And he'd be absolutely wonderful, wouldn't he? Always for, too uh, up front. I can yeah. guarantee you that yeah, straight absolutely. away. He'd be great with the press. He'd be Ian Holloway-esque with the press. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see that. Anyway. That's the end of Mailbag. Thanks for all your questions. And, and sorry if we haven't been able to get to every single one of them. We do see them all uh, and do keep getting involved. It's fantastic to hear from you. Right then, boys, final part of the show is clearly the trip to Morecambe this weekend. Ipswich Town off the back of two home wins, riding high in the league, now travel to rock bottom Morecambe, a side that have won one of their first 11 games of the season. Their star man, Cole Stockton, wanted to leave. He's been in and out of the squads, not scored at all this season. Um, and there's also been some very interesting quotes from the keeper this morning, Stu, saying that they, they need to be brutal and horrible if they're going to get anything from the game with town. <clears throat> God knows what he means. Essentially, it sounds like they're just going to kick town up in the air. Is that your reading of that? Yeah, very vague quotes after they'd lost to Accrington. He said, we've got Ipswich coming up next and um, people can make of it what they want, but I know what I'm going to do to win a game of football, um, which immediately got the, I think the first response to that was the David Brent, oh, you're hard uh, <laughs> reply, which is what I hoped for. That was the initial thing that I thought of as well. Um Derek, Derek Adams, their managers, talked about them having a traumatic time at the moment. The club is up for sale. I think they've got about seven or eight players injured at the moment. They had the Cole Stockton, Willie Won't He Go saga mm. over the summer. He's ended up staying. Um, came off the bench at the weekend. I'm not quite sure what the situation is surrounding him. Um, it's a game Ipswich should be should be winning really given everything that, that we've discussed they're full of confidence scoring goals leading the way on, on a whole load of stats um Morecambe are gonna are gonna try and uh 
grind something out, aren't they? It's sort of do- dogs of war mentality for them at the moment in the trenches. Um, can they can they do that for ninety minutes? This again is another game that Ipswich tripped up on last season. Um, if you remember, they absolutely dominated that first half up at Morecambe. Macaulay Bond missed. Um, I think that was that was the final nail in the coffin for Macaulay Bond because he missed a couple of sitters headers from from a combined total of about five yards out. Two of them, mm. um, but others had chances as well. Aluko Norwood went behind after a um, dip in concentration, and, and Wes Burns snatched an equaliser late on. But um, yeah, again, we hope that this is this is another sign of Ipswich being better equipped to come come through these sort of games. Rossi, how are you feeling about it? It's obviously a long trip. I imagine you're looking forward to uh, making that journey. Um, but how are you feeling about the game itself? Uh, very different to last year, because I remember going into this game. You know, it was our first ever trip to Morecambe since... Um, we, I think we had played Morecambe before, didn't we? In the in the Cup, in the I think the, when we were in the Premier League. Um, so it was the first time for a very long time since we're going there. Um, of course, that was Derek Adams' first game back as manager because he, he left after getting it promoted, then went to Bradford City, didn't do so well there, then returned and that was his first game back. So the Morecambe crowd were sort of, I think, positive because they got their man who got them promoted. But very different story going into this one. Town playing some really good football, playing really well. You know, their, their goalkeeper saying what he's just said. So it could be one of those hoople games. But... Town are different and hopefully another box ticked, you know, beating a team we didn't beat last year because we, we drew against them twice, didn't we? At the home game, the opening day, and then, of the course, the game at their place. Um, so, no, I'm confident and I'm hoping for a lot of goals. Mm, yeah, I get the feeling it might be a bit of a horrible game, um, yeah. given everything that's going before it. Um, because Hutchie's not around this week, no million pound picks, but I've decided to withdraw from my own bank 100k and give it to you both. Um, so this is obviously not counting towards Hutchie's million pound picks, but you get your own 100 grand picks. Stewie, what would you like to put your money on? I've come up with uh, a double bet here. I'm interested right. to see what odds you're going to give me. What will you give me on Ipswich to have 70% possession or above right. finish the game and 20 shots on goal or above? combination of the two please so just 20 shots on goal on and off target 20 shots on or off target and 70 plus percent possession they had like 75 wasn't it against Cambridge something like that Um, it was actually less than 70 in the end so if you want a bit of context there I think it was 68 that was the finishing total so you you do well to get to to finish on 70 and you're saying 75 70 70 um I'll give you I'm plus 20 shots. I'll give you 25 to 1. 25 to 1. Mm. Okay. You're sticking 100 grand on it. Yeah. Okay. That's Stewie's bet then. So 70% possession, 20 shots on goal. 100 grand at 25 to 1. Roscoe, I'm very interested to see what you're going to do with this. <laughs> I'm going to do two bets. I'm going to put 50 yeah. grand on one, 50 grand on another one. First bet, Freddie Dapo is going to score a hat trick. Hat trick? Why not? Okay. Um, um, I'll give you Freddie Hattrick. I'll give you 40 to 1 on that. 40 to 1. Okay. And they're going to be more than five goals in the game. More than five goals in the game. I imagine you're thinking mostly scored by town. Yes. Uh, so more I'm... than five. So you're saying at least six yeah. goals. Yeah. Why not? At least, at least six goals. Uh, so you get forty to one for Freddie. More than six goals in the more than five goals. At least six goals in the game. I'll give you. I'll give you forty-five to one on that. Okay. So it's gonna be nil nil now, isn't it? <laughs> you cursed it now. <laughs> so we've got Stu's bet is seventy percent possession and twenty shots. Twenty-five to one, hundred grand. Roscoe, you've got more than six goals in the game. More than five goals, sorry. At least six goals in the game. Um, 45 to 100 grand. And what was the other one? Freddie Adapo to score a hat trick. Yeah. 50 grand at 40 to 1. What do we actually think the score is going to be then, Rossi? Give us a prediction. Well, Stu said there's going to be 20 shots, so most of them are going to go in. Um, (laughs) 
But what I've done actually in a group chat we have for the KOA Army, I've gone 4 0. Um, so not it's not what I want in terms of my bet, but that's what I'm going for is more sort of down downplaying it a bit more now. So 4 0. We'd take a 4 0 though, wouldn't we? Stewie, what do you yeah. reckon? Yeah, I'll take a 4 0. The reason I came up with that bet is because that's what Sheffield Wednesday did at Morecambe recently. It was a bit like uh, the Cambridge game where um, they battered them uh, and then eventually the, the three goals went in quite late. Um, so that's why I've gone for that. But 2 um, 0 Ipswich. More, Morecambe have only scored eight goals in their 11 games so far. So um, I'm. I'm Quietly confident of another another clean sheet, and um, yeah, not quite as confident as Ross in terms of the number of goals, but uh, yeah, good professional two nil away win. I'll split the difference. I'll say three nil. So two nil, three nil, and four nil. Ross and Town are going to win. Hopefully, we're right. Certainly, they should do. Uh, boys, any other business before we take our leave? We've done sixty five minutes or so of, I would say, a solid seven out of ten podcast at this point. <laughs> No other business from me. No other business. I'm just waiting for Andy to come back and find out what he's managed to negotiate on the on the continent. When Absolutely, he's can't wait for that. Uh, I also love the the explanation, Stewie, of your bet. That's very Doctor Watson, if you don't mind me saying. Going back, You're looking welcome. at research, finding out what a similar team have done there, and then betting on those lines. Right, then, friends. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Usual outro. Just a reminder, please support our friends at Manscape. Use the code KOA at Manscape.com for twenty percent off and free delivery on all the excellent cover, which includes now that if you're brave enough, crop shaver, razor blades to the Nadgers. If you want to be really smooth down there, you can get 20% off and free delivery on that. And also, it's the last week of voting in the Football Content Awards. We're up for two awards, Best EFL Podcast, and also Roscoe is up for Best Creator in Women's Football. Um, there's various ways you can vote, three in total. We'll share again the link. You can vote by tweeting a particular term. You can vote on their website and you can also vote by Instagram. So if you enjoy the show, use all three and uh, let's hope we lift both trophies this year. Do a double at the Football Content Awards. That would be great in Manchester in November. If you're going to the game this weekend, enjoy it. Well played. Another long journey. More than a thousand town fans will be there, which is tremendous. Have a great time, whatever you're doing this weekend. And we'll be back next week to break the game down with Mr. Bacon joining us. So tune in just for that. From true crime to football, Brexit to postal, for more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.